welcome to another episode of Intelligence for Your Life, the podcast. I'm Gib Gerard, uh, all alone today. Our guest this week is Brian Paradis. Now, he is, well, he's the uh, uh, senior partner at C-Suite Solutions, which is a healthcare consulting firm. He was the president and COO of, of Florida Hospitals Central Region. And while he was in charge of it, he uh, actually made that hospital the number one hospital in Florida. Uh, he's also the author of Lead with Imagination. Now, we, we, Brian and I are going to talk about all kinds of things today, but we're going to talk about the nature of leadership. And even if you don't think you are a leader or you're not in a leadership position at work or you don't run a hospital network, which is most of us, I don't run a hospital network, there are some really great tools that you can use in your life as a parent, as just a person uh, that that you come for people you come into contact with and how you carry yourself as a leader and just some sort of uh, leadership philosophy stuff that we're going to talk about. So I... Uh, in terms of finding your passion and unlocking your full potential, I think this is a really great interview for you. So many uh, bookkeeping things to talk to you about. John is uh, has been working tirelessly on his new book, Relentless. We have both been working on Songs and Stories from the Grand Piano, our newest public television special. We're going to give you more information about where where uh, all of that stuff will be available uh, in the weeks to come. But you can actually pre-order the book, Relentless, right now. There is a link in the show notes to where you can pre-order it as well as a link to our store where you can buy all kinds of John Tesh gear. Uh, so yeah, so go ahead and check that stuff out. We, the more pre-orders we get, the more we know what we're printing when it comes to the book. So it's, it's super helpful, as well as uh, getting us onto the bestseller list, which means a big difference in, in the amount of people that are going to hear the story in this book. It's a great book. Uh, we're going to get, get John on in the next couple of weeks to really dive deep into what the book is about and, uh, and how you can use it to, to improve your life. So all that stuff coming up uh, in the weeks to come. We're also going to be on the road, teshmusic.com. You can see us live, get a feel for uh, what the t- public television special is going to be like, all that stuff. But without further ado, it's a lot of intro stuff, a lot of little bookkeeping things. I am very, very excited to bring you this episode, this interview with Brian Paradis. Brian Paradis, senior partner of C-Suite Solutions and author of the book, Lead with Imagination. We appreciate you being on our show today. Thank you so much. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Uh, So your new book, uh, Lead with Imagination, you make this distinction of what imaginative leadership is. Um, What, I mean, that's, that's, I know it's your thesis, so, but what what is imaginative (laughs) leadership? Well, I think, first of all, imaginative leadership is really just trying to get at the heart that if you're going to lead, you have where, where are you leading to? Mm-hmm. And if you can't see a future that that works for both the organization and the people in it, it it's sort of like what are you, what are you doing then? And mm-hmm. so that's what sort of struck me that when we talk about imagination, so much of of leadership, you know, you might define is more about management. How do I right. control people? How do right. I control things? Versus how do I kind of free up the potential that's 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 around me. Um, I, I remember when I was when I was um, coming up in in college. I, I had a great leadership mentor in college, and and one of his one of his lines was, uh, "Leadership is really it's vision and accountability. You need to cast a vision for the people underneath you, and then hold them accountable to their contribution to that vision." And I think you need imagination if you want to be able to um, if you want to be able to have that vision and cast it properly. Yeah, I would agree. And, and I, might, I might add to that that um, it, without imagination, it's hard to see. Right. And it's hard to see what's around you. I, I've used a story that when you're in a hospital and you walk into a hospital room, you know, what do you see? Well, what you see is a patient laying in a bed, but do you see their family mm-hmm. that's not there? 
Do you see the pain they're in? Mm-hmm. Do you see the fear that's that's kind of surrounding them? And if you can't look deeply and see those things, how will you lead the people that you lead in an organization? Because right. they're the same kind of people with right. fears and hopes and desires as well. Yeah. So how do you start to get... <laughs> How do you start to get the imagination if you are... I mean, because there's people right now that find themselves in leadership positions. And I think, I've said this before, I think leadership is something that you can put on yourself. Um, it's something that people... It, it's like, uh, is it? I think it's Teddy, Roosevelt, Teddy Roosevelt's line or, or FDR's line about, about greatness. Some people are born great, others achieve greatness, and others have greatness thrust upon them. Um, <laughs> the uh, I, I think leadership is, is the same thing. You can find yourself in a position... And we'll talk about this in a minute of the distinction between management and leadership, but in, in a management position, uh, and and maybe you don't have imagination, or maybe you aren't good at this kind of thing. So, um, and also, and, and I, I, I've, I've, I hinted at this, this idea that you are the leader of your own life, like whether you are whether yeah. you're a CEO at your office or not, you have leadership, and you need a vision. How do you start to get that if it's it doesn't come come naturally to you? Hmm. Well, I think, first of all, I mean, maybe we even go back and talk about concept of creativity. Mm-hmm. And you know, one of the, 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 the pivotal books for me that years ago started me thinking about all of these things and how they affect leadership is a book by Robert Fritz called Creating. And, you know, most many of us don't think of ourselves as creative people. But in his book, he kind of articulated cr- creativity is a process. You know, it, it's not a gift. And most of the people you talk to that you would look at and say, wow, they're, they're really creative. They may have some inclination to that and they may have some form of gift. But what makes them truly creative is that they worked really hard at the craft um, and they learned the process of creativity. So mm-hmm. I think part of this, when you think you back that up one one level to imagination, you know, we were all born with it. Um, you had it in spades when you were a child, Mm. Uh, but somewhere you started getting this notion that, um, well, there's one right answer to a problem. Right. And then there was, well, I don't want to be too far out of the lines here because, you know, I get in trouble. And so I think that there's something in that going backwards and asking, you know, a set of questions that starts the journey, at least for, for many people. And, and so, I mean, the, the basic baked into that assumption is that you can, if you unlearned being creative, you can relearn how to be creative. And 100%. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, I know that there's, like you said, there's a lot of people out there who are going, oh, this is not me. I'm not, I am not good at creating and imagining things that don't exist yet. Um, how do you start to... How do you start to do that? Do you need to take a creative writing class? Like, how, how do you get going on that? <laughs> well, I, I, you know, first of all, I just say... You know, what I observe is, did you cook dinner last night? Yeah, actually, well, I, well, I didn't. Something, yeah. I didn't. We, we ate at a food truck, but yeah. <laughs> well, okay, well, we'll take that. So where'd you get the idea to go eat at a food truck? You know? Uh, yeah, right. It was, it, it was in the area, and, I, and it, uh, it sounded good. Yeah, and so, so for some people, that'll be it. For others, they'll say, I went home and made dinner. Right. Well, that's creative. So, yeah. so you do know how. You just kind of have to un- unlock that that sort of obstacle that makes you think you're not c- creative. But that said, you know, there is a, I think for most people, a host of ways. I, one of the things I did is, what, what did I love doing as a child that I stopped doing at some point? And most people I've talked to, they have something. 
they almost immediately can say, oh, I used to love doing this. Mm. Why, why don't you do that anymore? Well, I grew up. You know, that's, that's, child, that's childless. Or I don't have time or whatever. So I think there's, there's all these things. You know, when I was making my last you know, transition out of my role, you know, I'd always wanted to play guitar. And, you know, I tried it once, but I was too busy and never really, it, it became frustrating to me. And it was like one of those things that I just felt bad every time I showed up, you know, at my lessons. So when I had a little more time, I started taking guitar lessons and, you know, I had played some piano earlier and the guitars and pianos are very different. It forced an entirely different thought process and a different kind of, you know, physical actually activity mm-hmm. to do it. So I, I think it's, it's just about finding something and it can be anything. It can be from you know observing nature to listening to great music to trying something new to to endeavoring you know to be uncomfortable in something. And I said all of those things start to open up you know a part of you that might might be a bit dormant. I you know I think I think you just hit something right there. I I think we as we age, we expect ourselves to be more. We expect ourselves to be confident in everything we're doing, and we we stop embracing discomfort. Exactly, exactly. But yeah. we but we need to. And I was using this analogy recently with somebody in my life was having a really hard time, uh, and and I said, you know, you're having a hard time today because you're doing something you've never done before. It's like muscle soreness. Exactly. You know, you need to treat this like like yeah. like your muscle is sore because you're hitting the gym every day. Yeah. Um, and I and I think I you know. I think that ability to embrace discomfort and to continue to learn is a really important element of adulthood. Yeah, and, and I would say too, you don't get, the, the discomfort doesn't get easier. Right. Every time I start a new thing, you know, it, it's discomfort and I'm always uncomfortable. I think it's more about recognizing that's normal, mm-hmm. you know, or normalizing it. And I can, I can tell you, um, if I, when I went and first said I was gonna go take guitar lessons, I was doing it with my, I think he was 12 year old son at the time. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm running this large organization, which, you know, some people might suggest is a pretty stressful activity. The most stressful thing in my entire week was that piano, that, that guitar lesson mm. that I was going to go to. So what is that about? Um, and I think you're right on it. It's that, that you know, we don't like being uncomfortable and right. we don't like not being, you know, expert at stuff. And I used to have a joke with my kids. Anything worth doing is worth doing poorly first because there's right. no other way to, to right. do it. If you right. can't do it poorly. So, yeah, I think, I think you're right on it on that. So I think there's this trend of, uh, I, I think Malcolm Gladwell started with the 10,000 hours concept. Like that, yeah. that, that's, that's really popular right now that we need that exactly what you said. You need anything worth doing, you need to do poorly first and that we need to start to embrace this concept. Um, so I think if you're out there right now and you're wondering, you know, I'm not really a creative person. I don't really have a leadership role. Like, I think, I think you need to realize you may not feel like you do, you do, and you need to embrace the discomfort of what it's going to take for you to be an excellent leader. Let's, let's push on that a little bit more because I, you know, I, I have this idea that, um, we, 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 I kind of made some assumptions about imagination and leadership at the very top mm-hmm. about how it's, you know, it's, it's, it's being able to cast this vision. So why, why is that important? And how do you start to use the basic creativity to get you the place where you're really casting vision for your organization or, or yourself and your yeah. work? Well, let, let me, let me, um, let me start with a story. So one day I was asked to step in and do, um, you know, uh, it was some kind of a, a local community event. The mayors had called it in our, in our town in, in uh, Florida. And so they had three biotech company CEOs on, on one side of the room and, and they had three hospital, um, CEOs or, 
Like it's on the other side. And so I'm, I'm there. And it's really about the community and economic development kind of a, a meeting. And, you know, so lots of community business people and, and the like are there. And so the, the biotech guys go first and, and they're announcing, you know, okay, we're with this company. We have this kind of revenue. Here's how we're capitalized, you know, a whole bunch of stuff. And then the hospital guys started in and, and, and off, already offered the other hospitals to go first. So they're talking about how many beds we have in our hospital, all the various programs we run, mm-hmm. we're comprehensive, this and that, and, and the other thing. And I'm, I'm watching the audience, and all I can hear in my brain is, the, is a Seinfeld episode about yada, yada, yada. Right. <laughs> Nobody's listening. Nobody cares. Right, right. And, and then I thought about, well, if I were just meeting you, Gib, and I said, hey, Gib, I've got you know, one house here. I've got a, I've got a, a, a vacation home. I've got three cars. You know, uh-huh. I've got. Go, you know, go on. And yeah, so, so you get to that point. And then I went, I said, you know what, it's time to do something different. So I stood up, said, hi, my name's Brian. I'm from Florida Hospital. Mm-hmm. And we love taking care of people. And I sat down. And so for me, when I think about imagination, uh, you know, there's something at that moment where, where I kind of said, you know, what, what, what are we doing? I mean, we all have this moment where, you know, it's Monday and, and I don't want to go to work mm-hmm. or what am I doing in this relationship or what am I doing about this relationship? And, and am I doing what matters you know, to me or am I just doing stuff? And so I think that moment where imagination sparks is where you're saying, what, what do I really want? You know, what's mm. really important? And, and, and then how do I begin to see it? Well, you can't go find it if, if you haven't at least begun to try to picture you know, what, what that, that moment yeah. is. And so I, I, somewhere in that, is, is I think the start of it where a seed gets planted. And, and I'd come back to something you said too. I, I, I think we just keep have to challenging, I'm not creative. And you said something in a couple, I think, uh, podcasts ago about your view that everyone's a leader in some place, in some sphere. And I think that's 100% correct. Yeah. And when I wrote the book, I had that notion clearly in mind. You know, and, you know, you have, and when you write a book, they want to know who's your audience. And, and that was hard for me. Because, yeah, it's written probably mostly for a business you know, leadership right. audience, but I was thinking of moms when, when I wrote it, too, sure. because who, who leads more in a family you know, than, than a mom? Right, right. So I think you're 100% right, and I think if, if people read the book, there is this arc and narrative through the book between person and, and professional, you know, between you know, leader and and, um, you know, person who's just trying to figure out life, you know, at the same time. And so somewhere in all of that is where I think, you know, we, we open ourselves up to, to, to this thing called imagination. Yeah. One of the things that I've really learned as I uh, go into it, as, I've, as I have lived in adulthood longer and longer, is that uh, uh, nobody really knows what they're doing. We're all just trying to figure <laughs> out life. Like that person that you, that you true, think has it all together. Works. Yeah, truer words. Yeah, I've never spoken. Everybody's spoken. just figuring it out. Like yes. Bill Gates, he, yeah, he got he won the proverbial lottery with early yeah. on. Still just figuring it out. Even uh, even Warren Buffett, they're yeah. all just figuring it out. Well, I always have this picture of you know guys like that. Do they still get yelled for forgetting to take the trash out? Oh yeah, <laughs> or, or somehow they're exempt. Yeah, because you know it just is what it is. You but, know, yeah. Yeah, Brian Cranston, uh, the actor, he, when he was a Malcolm in the Middle, um, he, I forget, I, it was some event and we were talking and he was saying that he had just won the Emmy 
and he said the most real moment he had come home after winning an Emmy and or being nominated, I think, for yeah. uh, I can't remember, and and was taking the trash out in his tux. His wife, when they got home, <laughs> was like, "You need to take the trash." And he said that was like it was the most real moment. He realized like he did he'd yeah. gotten to where he wanted to go, but it was still his yeah. his need to be a person was was still yeah. a part of that. And I think that's um, that's an important thing to remember. Like even you know pe- people still got. Uh, even the Queen of England puts her pants on one leg at a time, but, just like the well, rest of us. Well, he says that really, I think, important in that is that, you know, one of the other things that I tried to, to write about was that organizations, you know, there's this old saying, organizations are made up of people. Uh, it's not complete and it's not completely true. Organizations are their people. Mm-hmm. So I think that 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 human moment of, of Brian taking the trash out after he gets home, I mean, those are the people that are coming to work every day in our mm-hmm. organizations. And so much of the time, you know, it feels like we pretend that there's no life that they are living beyond the moment at which they're at work doing the job that, you know, that they may be assigned to do. And so I, right. I think there's a, an element of humanness and, and, and lead with imagination. What I tried to write to was that first and foremost, it's about love. Mm-hmm. And if, if it's, if it's not love based, it's, it's probably not truly imagination, you know, mm-hmm. at least as it relates to leadership. Um, in an organization, so I, I, that's a really big, big point you kind of just brought out. I, expand on that when you say it's about love. Like, I, not everybody loves their job, but we all got to work. So, what's or most of us have to work. You know, again, this plane. Yeah. Uh, how do I? How do I love my leadership role when I'm not necessarily loving my leadership role? <laughs> Does that make sense? Well, yeah, and and I would I would probably maybe try to reframe it to say you know in the book I tried to outline about seven things that I learned or discovered in, in my journey that really allowed an organization to thrive and, and to reach its, its more full potential. Mm. And, and I came to the conclusion, you know, painfully, that it starts with love. Mm. And that as a human being, you, you really, if, if you accept that the organization is the people, then you're stuck with all these humans to have to do something with every day in right. order to, to get anything done. And so you've got two choices. You, you can decide you're going to lead from fear or you can decide you're going to lead from love. And, and fear really has no place or no space when it comes to imagination. So you're left with the, the sort of self-evident conclusion that if you're not willing to enter into your leadership role from a love-based um, perspective, you, you might as well stop pretending that you're going to try to lead with imagination, you know, or, or take your organization to a place that's not been before. Right. Well, uh, so then, but again, like, do you just have to find that love through some, or find something (laughs) in there to love? Because again, for some people it's easy, but for some people they're, they're walking around going, I mean, I really, I don't love what I do and do they need to change? And not everybody can, is, is economically mobile enough to just change. Yeah, I, I, I think. Yeah, I, I think that some of that's about you will have to make some change. Mm. When you really figure out, I, one of the chapters I wrote near the end was called Jumping the Fence. And if you really find that you're completely misaligned, both as an individual um, in the work you're doing or you're, you're misaligned with the values of the organization that you're part of, yeah, you're going to have to figure out an exit. And I, I agree, not everyone's mobile to just make that choice immediately. Mm-hmm. But, but over time, you can. Um, but the flip side is if you can start to say, well, what am I doing here? Why right. am I involved right. in this? And where is the part that, that I um, love? And I used to, to kind of make a joke to people that, 
you know, I, I think I could be reasonably happy at whatever job I was doing. I mean, I was a finance person for crying out loud for a lot of years. That wasn't the most easy job to show up all the time and go, right. oh, I love, love this job because I didn't, wasn't even very good at math um, and stuff. But it just happened to be the path I, I found myself on. But the flip side is I always figured out what's the larger purpose that mm-hmm. I'm here for and, and how can I help the people around me, you know, mm-hmm. with, with these skills or these tools that I have. So, so I do think it, maybe it's a little bit about getting out of yourself and figuring out what am I going to do for others around me? Mm-hmm. And, and maybe that starts to produce something in, in, in the experience that one's having. I mean, I guess too, if you, I mean, we, we had, um, we had this, uh, Christy Whitman, Whitman, uh, on a few weeks ago and she, she is really big on the idea of positive visualization. So I think if you, yeah. Um, if you begin to get into practice, like I'm a big fan of daily meditation, but if you can begin to get in the yep. practice of getting quiet and yeah. then also writing down the things every day that you're grateful for, um, yeah. like those, those little steps. And by the way, if I, I've, I've mentioned this before, but I, you know, just taking my own mental straw poll of people I've had on the show, if I had to talk about, um, like one or two things that you could start doing that, that more and more, like more people have recommended than anything else. It's positive self-talk <laughs> and getting quiet every day. Um, and both of those things will lead you to a place of love and imagination. When you let your mind rest, your mind comes back more creative. I guarantee it, no matter how uncreative you think you are. If you give yourself time to be bored or time to just focus on your breath, your brain will come rushing back. I mean, we had... Um, um, we had Wallace Nichols who talked about Blue Mind and the power yeah. of like how relaxing and calming uh, water and the sound of water is for our brains. You know, when you combine all that stuff, you really can unlock this potential that you may that modern society has kind of drummed out of us. So I, I mean, I'll, I'll give yeah. you this notion that if you can, if you do do the some exercises, basic exercises, and figuring out what your why is, you will find something to love in your daily life. So if it's I got to work a job because I'm providing for a family. Well, hopefully, mm-hmm. hopefully at that point you love your family and, and you can find love in the fact that, okay, I'm doing this for them because of X, Y, and Z reason. And then, then from that love, you can find that creative leadership. Is that, does that work in, in, in your, yes. yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. I, I hundred percent on, on many, many different levels. In fact, you know, I, I found too, when I'm, when I'm stressed or I'm in a difficult um, relational moment, um, that if I can just find an, an inch of capacity, Mm-hmm. Um, if I can open a book and read for a minute, if I can take a walk outside, if I can, mm-hmm. you know, listen to a piece of music, right. any of that I find gives me the ability to walk back in the room in that difficult situation with a little more capability to step back and go, okay, I, I have some choice here in my response versus mm-hmm. just disresponding. So I think all of that's perfect. I, I think gratefulness is a huge issue. You, mm-hmm. you touched on that. You know, I, I started a little exercise at the beginning of this year of learning not to complain. And I realized just how hard that is. Yeah. Um, it's, oh, it's it is. Like, it's like breathing. We yeah. just do it. Don't even recognize we're doing it. And then I started thinking about, you know, the brain, your mind, you know, imagination and going, all of that is, is wiring some part of your brain, yeah. you know, to think that's a normal pathway. And it's not. Try sitting in traffic and showing up to some place exactly. after sitting in traffic and <laughs> exactly. not mentioning it. If exactly. you think you're not a complainer, just try that. Exactly. And I found that. I found, boy, everything, you know, 
Um, I mean, there's just everywhere you look, there's something to complain about. Right, right. When you can't talk about that, what's what happens to me is I start noticing, oh, the color of the leaves. Wow, that's really pretty. You know, right. or wow, oh, that music. I've I've heard that a bunch, but I never heard that part. Right. You know, what, how beautiful is that? And mm-hmm. so I think it, right, it, it it forces your brain to move over to the positive, and all of that gives you the ability, as you just said, to start to think about my current situation mm-hmm. better. And maybe just a little bit of ability to see a future that's a little better, you know, or a pathway that I'm more interested in, you know, starts to align all the, all the things that also have to happen as well. I mean, yeah. there's a lot of work to go get that done, but you got to start, you know, right. with, with imagination to, to do that. So, so so did this come about, I mean, you, you mentioned earlier this meeting with uh, this community meeting of, of healthcare leaders, um, I'm assuming in your role at, at Florida Hospital, yeah, um, which you, by the way, for those of you that don't know, was the number one hospital three years in a row while you were running it. So that's, that's impressive. Um, according to U.S. News and World Report. Am I getting that correct? You are. Okay, good, because your publicist sent that to me. I didn't find it, so <laughs> hopefully that's correct. Um, hopefully it is. Yeah, uh, but, uh, but so you, you have that epiphany in the moment where you're just like, you know, all of, these, all of these responses are kind of rote reading from a spreadsheet responses, and, and you decided to focus on caring for people, right? We care about people. Yeah. Uh, was that the moment when you realized that love and imagination was, was the key to leading a good organization? Yeah, it was probably the public, um, you know, saying it out loud. Right. Um, we'd been talking about it as an organization for a little while. Um, you know, we'd had an interesting moment, you know, I, I had recently hired a three-star general, you know, who had commanded, uh, U S army Europe, uh, a gentleman named Mark Hurtling that some, some of yours may see on CNN occasionally mm-hmm. commenting. And so, so I'd hired him and, you know, we were in a meeting getting ready for one of this, these, these, our big leadership meetings we had three times a year. And I had put the word compassion, you know, on, on the uh, board you know, a good word for a hospital. I mean, many hospitals, if you look at their mission statements or value statements, you'll see, you'll see caring, compassion, something like that. And he stopped the meeting because we kind of all would look at each other's slides you know, that we're presenting. Mm-hmm. And he just goes, shouldn't it be love? And it was instinctual for me to go, yes, yes, it should. And, you know, those are the kind of things in many organizations you have to debate for months and months, right. you know, to change some word on your value statement. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. you know? But I just said, yes. Um, and we changed it. And the next day we were up front with 500 leaders telling them about love. And so, so, so that was kind of just fell into that. And Who then would it have was thought question. that the hippie comment would come from the three-star general. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And I think to be real honest, I think that's why it made it so easy to say yes to, if it had been, you know, a, a deeply caring nurse or a clinician on the side, mm-hmm. we'd have probably just run by it and go, yeah, yeah, no, it's fine. Leave it, leave it like it is. Right. Right. But the fact that he said it to me was just one of those moments of, Oh, how do we all miss this? And, and this I man is a guy who's fought. I mean, he's, he's led Northern Iraq, you know, for a number, I mean, he's got a very decorated, mm-hmm. you know, combat, you know, um, experience. And so for him to see that, to me, was pretty powerful. So, so that was probably one of those early moments when I just took the risk to actually say it out loud in the community, outside of the safe walls of you know my own organization, but to say it in public. You know that this is this who we are and who, who I'm intending to be. You know, and and how I'm intending to lead from from now on. Yeah. Okay. So we see the importance of, or I, I see the significance and the idea of imagination. Um, I see that anybody can, anybody has it in them. If we, if we do certain things, we can start to 
find that in ourselves. And if you, even if you doubt yourself, like look for ways that you're creative and imaginative on a daily basis. Um, I see the importance of love or finding your why, which is essentially just a different way of saying that. Yeah. Um, but then you, you know, you, in addition to running a large hospital healthcare organization, you, you're also a, a consultant with C-Suite Solutions. Uh, how do you begin to implement that notion into whatever sphere of of leadership you have like what is the next step like we have we have here the 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 germinated seed but now we need the the roots to start to take hold what is the next step i you know i i i've tried to think of this as really there's two there's two kind of axes that axes that this probably leans on it leans on these seven sort of areas so after love comes authenticity and humility then it comes about the environment that you create around you and the mm-hmm. way people interact through you. Then it's about risk-taking and vulnerability. Then it's about curiosity. Then it's about humor. Um, and then it's about kind of being the servant leader and doing whatever it takes, you know, that I called connecting the dots. So that's sort of one sort of axis. And then running through that, I think there's this three-step process that, that I, I ended up, you know, just kind of trial and error figuring out. And one was, the first step was kind of about truth-telling Mm. And, and, and getting real. So, and that's about truth of yourself as a leader, you know, understanding, being willing to explore where your gaps are as a leader and a human right. being. We right. all have them. Yeah, because um, you can't, you can't, you know, the, the, the old adage of when you're building an organization is to hire your weaknesses, but you can't hire your weaknesses and whether, whatever that may be, if it's in your parenting, if it's in your home life, if it's whatever, you can't hire your weaknesses if you can't admit or acknowledge or figure out what your weaknesses are. Exactly right. And that starts, exactly so it right. starts with honesty. I, I, I get it. It does. And so, and then it's, and it's being real about the world around you. So if I am in a crappy job, okay, let me be real about that. You know, mm. how did I get here? You know, what, what, what part of this, you know, do I have some control over? So that's the first phase. Then once you're kind of being honest with yourself, with your environment, you know, and, 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 and do that truth telling, which is again, really hard work. Um, then, then to me, the second phase is now I can, I'm a little freer to be creative and curious. Uh, about about the world around me. Mm. And then once I get past that, and I've got some maybe different solutions and some more creative ways of thinking about w- what power I do have, then to me it's about focus. So, you know, you guys talked a few a episode or two around um, reducing noise. And, and I found that fascinating, but then I was also kept coming back to, yeah, but you better know what you're focused on and what you want to focus on as you're reducing noise. So to me, the noise is a great strategy, but... But, it, but you got to know what you want to focus on before you reduce the noise as well. So to me, it's that three-step process of get, get real about the truth and, and search for that and be honest and, and real. Then it's about now allowing yourself to be more creative and curious mm-hmm. about the world and, and about your own um, self. And then third, once you kind of know where you may want to go, be relentlessly focused because there's a thousand things that take us off track to, right. to the things that we just said were, were important. Right. So, I mean, I think those themes. I think those themes are are so unbelievably universal. I, I, I um, this idea of authenticity, I think, is, uh, I think it's a, a real buzzword right now of being your authentic yes, self bit. and and, and being true to it. And and I think I think the power of it, uh, somewhat ironically, gets lost in the more buzzy it becomes, right? Yeah, because I agree. Because when you're honest with yourself, and when you are. I don't, I don't, I'm trying to think of how to phrase this exactly, but the the idea that of what we project into the world, and I think social media adds a layer to this, 
where yeah. uh, and I think I think people I think the reason why social media took hold is because they got you got to see certain authentic moments from people, and I think it has now come the snake has started to eat its own tail, <laughs> where you have to put yourself out there, you know, you have to pre- create an image of yourself in order to thrive on social media, and it's like wait a minute, that, that's, the, uh, that's the opposite of what we want to be doing. And then we begin to believe the lie that we're telling ourselves, and all of a sudden we all wake up unhappy. It's exactly the reason why people had midlife, have midlife crises, yeah. right? You, you do what you think you're supposed to do for so many years, and then one day you're like, why the heck have I been doing this? Yeah. And you start to live out the things that you always wanted, which is instead of saving for a house, you wanted a red convertible. If you'd bought the red convertible when you were 25, you would have gotten over it. That's a great insight. I, I'm picturing that. That we that, that the Instagram we got to be authentic. That's what people want to see. Mm-hmm. But then we make it you know false inauthentic mm-hmm. because we would never want them to see you know who we who and what we really are. Right. So I, I think for me I, I I agree with you and I think that authenticity thing is a is a bit getting buzzy. Um, but the the part for me that grounded it was the humility part. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And that's so hard, man. Yeah, and and my and I tell you, the real my, humility, my, not the false humility. It's like, oh, I, I made yeah. this cake. I can't believe I, you know, I can't believe that I was able to do this. I was, I'm so bad at it. And it looks perfect. Like we all know that yeah. you're that you're lying, Sheila. That you, you know, went yeah. to baking academy. Or whatever. <laughs> well, for me, what what came through? I had a health crisis when I was 39, and and you know, my my uh, had heart disease. My vessels kept closing at like it, it measured by months, not years, and wow. so. I literally sat on the bed one night with my wife and my my fifth of five children is about a year thinking I'm not going to be seeing them grow up. Mm. And so so I went through a pretty intense uh, year to trying to figure out what was going on. And when I when I kind of walked out of that, I have this joke. I didn't intend to learn anything from it. Mm. But 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 you don't get much choice um, when, when you're thinking about death and, and right. your life, at 39 and five children and mm-hmm. a wife and what that's going to mean. And so when I got done walking through that, one of the, 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 the biggest changes I saw to me was I started to understand ego and humility as a, as a chronic disease. Right. We all have it. Now, you, know, you may have less of it than I do, and your strain might be a little bit more mild. Oh, no, but, no, no, no. I have but, uh, <laughs> a horribly virulent strain, and it is contagious and awful to people around me. It gives them a cough. Well, well, then sometime we can get a cup of coffee and we can, we can, we can dialogue about, you know, the, the strains that we have. Right, exactly. Because I think mine's a, a bit challenged, you know, too. So I started to think of it as, as a chronic disease. And the thing I now understand, I have to say, I have a disease, I have heart disease. But, and I will have to take my medicine for the rest of my life. Um, mm-hmm. And if I stop taking my medicine, I'll either die or I'll end up in the emergency room in a pretty um, traumatic event. And so, so as I started thinking about ego and its relationship to authenticity, authenticity, I started thinking, oh, well, I got to take my medicine. And so I said that one day to a friend of mine. He looked at me and goes, well, what medicine are you taking? And, and so I, I literally had to start thinking about what are the medicines that I take? And, and I said, well, sorry, that's one medicine I take that mm-hmm. I end up having to say sorry a bunch. And, and then I started laughing, thinking of, yeah, I wish Mary Poppins was still around so she could give me some sugar. Right. That, could help that medicine go down because, you know, I've learned to do it, but it's just as difficult today as it was when I really started committing that I needed to say sorry for for the mistakes I make. By the way, Um, a spoonful of sugar helps medicine go down is a great life lesson. If you're going to say some hard truths to somebody (laughs) saying a compliment in, I mean, that's, 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 you know, that's basic MBA leadership 101 is you always say a nice thing before you say a negative thing. 
Yeah, and, and mean it. Yeah. 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 And so that was it. I, 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 in my leadership role, I'd give somebody that I trusted around me permission to call me out if yeah. they saw me doing certain behaviors. You know, I found spiritual practice, you know, was very important for me at least, um, you know, because it got me out of myself and, and kind of looking, looking up to something bigger than me. And that helped a little bit. But, you know, depending on who and what, all these, all kinds of things to do. But if you're, if you're trying to be a leader of any kind, whether home or in a, in a professional way, you know, you, you, you need to understand that ego is a chronic disease and you probably need to understand exactly what medicine am I taking um, yeah. to, to deal with it. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's true. I think we, we, when we get to the end of ourselves, uh, it's, it's, it's the great, hardest, but the best lesson to learn. And true humility is, is, um, uh, it's rare and it's, it's rare to find in ourselves and it's rare to find in other yeah. people. And it is something that we all need to dig deep and mine for, because that is where real authentic, uh, authentic self comes out. It's like, here, here's something that I'm yeah. really bad at, that I'm embarrassed that I'm bad about, uh, <laughs> that it's not easy for me to talk about being bad about. And yet, and yet here we are. Well, you said it early. How do you get help? And how do you deal with it? Right. If, if you can't admit it and nobody right. can help you because you haven't admitted it. I was the thing I said that, you know, as a human being, I know there's at least three things about me. I, I said, I know I think it's always about me. Mm-hmm. I said, I, I tend to think I'm doing pretty good at whatever I'm doing. And I think it, it tends to be someone else's fault when something doesn't go right. Yeah. And, and so to me, again, I go, that's why we need the medicine, because that's sort of our human condition you know, um, on most days. And like you said, I'm clear my, my strain is pretty virulent and, and, um, you know, blessings to those who have a less, less uh, severe version of it. Yeah. The book is lead with imagination, regaining the power to lead and live in a changing world. Brian, uh, Brian Paradis is our guest today and the author of the book, I, uh, link to where to buy it, by the way, in, in the show notes. And I, I think you've given us, I mean, I know that the idea of imaginative leadership is the thesis, but I mean, I think we've hit on something that is that is so much deeper about how to really tap into our true selves and how to apply that to our lives. And I, um, we're gonna, I, I know your time is valuable. We're gonna ra- we're gonna wrap it up here. But I'd love to have you back and talk more about how to do some of those uh, those other employ more of those themes and find our true selves uh, at some other time. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here with you, uh, Brian. Before I let you go, what is uh, wh- how can people follow up with you? They can follow up at brian.paradis.com. Um, we're on also at imaginationworksmedia.com, both on Facebook, Instagram, or come straight to our website. And I always love when people go to an independent bookstore and ask for the book. That just kind of messes everything up at those stores, and that makes them have to go look for it and, and order your copies. So I always like to support the independent uh, side of things, too. So can I tell one story real oh, quick? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah sure. Here we go. Yeah. So... So as I was thinking about this, uh, you know, it's probably not like the cool thing you say when you're going on a, on somebody's podcast, but I did want to say I, I, you know, I get to be a fan as well today, and, and for a couple of reasons. One, um, John played at two of our galas at Florida Hospital that I had something oh, wow. to do with getting him there. So he's kind of a special from that perspective that he came twice um, to our group, and and I know that he donated his fee when it was done. And that was a, a memory. As soon as I realized I was going to do your podcast, that, that memory came back and, and said something quite a bit about um, you guys as well. And then, and then I've been a fan for, for many years of your Intelligence for Life and, and your podcast. So, so I'm grateful to be here. And, and again, and in the book, one of the things I tried to do was make a link 
to the arts mm-hmm. um, and how that informs our leadership. Because I think there's much about the arts that, oh, yes. that forms it. So, so maybe at, truly at another time, I'd love more perspective from you on, on, you know, I know some of the work you do. And I think the first chapter of the book is called The Art of the Ant. And that comes right out of improv. Right, yes, and. Stand up. Yep, yes, and comedy. So, so very much, you know, I know there's a lot more I think you've got to share about um, leadership and how, how we can be doing it better that, that are in those kind of formal roles and, and personally. So thank you for letting me share, share all of that. Uh, thank you for telling that story. And yes, that, that is, there's definitely something John does where he will, um, he will do a thing for charity for, or yeah. for an organization like Florida health and uh, Florida hospital, I mean, and, mm-hmm. um, and end up and end up donating his feedback. Uh, I will say this about the arts. You know, I am a big fan of it. I think it does a lot to employ creativity in your mind, but also, mm-hmm good performing arts in particular but art in general it finds truth like even in picasso in, in exactly in cubism with all of the associated yeah. perspectives at once there is a truth to the form that he that he generates that that resonates with people it's the reason why the art lives on and with great acting with great storytelling all of that is uh essentially the pursuit of truth and in order to do that you have to humble yourself and have your yeah. ego get out of the way in order to have the art come through. So I, I see a lot of parallels in, in every walk of life. It's true in parenting, yeah. too. You know, you need to let your ego go because if you want your kid to look perfect in public, they're not <laughs> going to. And you're going ha- to have to accept that at some point. Otherwise, you're going to be yelling at your kid and you are going to be miserable and the kid is going to be miserable forever. Um, yes. So, yes, we, I mean, let's, we, we can dive into that more um, any other time. I'm going to put links to your websites as well as your social media accounts in the show notes. And one last thing before I let you go, Brian, what is something that people can start to do today? One thing that will make their life a whole lot better. Find one thing that you feel uncomfortable doing and do it. Ooh, back to the guitar lesson. Back to the guitar lesson. I love it. <laughs> Thank you. This has been fantastic to be with you today. Thank you for, we, for the opportunity. We appreciate it. Well, that's it for our show today. I hope you enjoyed it. If you Like the show, please rate, comment, and subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. It helps us out a lot. And if you think somebody needs to hear this stuff from Brian, go ahead and send them this episode. It helps us out so much when you share this episode with friends. Makes a big difference. Post about it on social media. Huge deal. Speaking of social media, John is at facebook.com slash John Tesh. It's where we spend most of our time. We go live there. We post videos. We try to respond to the comments about the show. All that stuff is there. If you ever ever have any questions, you can ask us on the Facebook Live. Also, John is on Twitter, at John Tesh, on Instagram, at John Tesh underscore IFYL. I am Gib Gerard. You can find me at Facebook.com slash Gib Gerard, at Gib Gerard on Instagram and Twitter. I try to respond to every DM and mention about this show because I do this show for you guys, and I have had a couple of guests on here that have been recommended by audience members. So uh, I do listen, and I do want to make this show for you. There are people that you want to hear me interview let me know. Uh, and also, if you like the show or you want to hear us do something differently, let me know there too. I, uh, I'm, I'm always excited about feedback. But uh, one, one more time, real special thanks to Brian Paradis for being on our show today. Today's show was written and produced by me, Gib Gerard. You know where to find me. Also produced by Chrissy Wallen. She has all of our bookings for guests. She's amazing. Executive producer is John Tesh. And most importantly, you are the audience. You are the reason we do the show. So thank you so much for listening.